you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. So Drea Murphy is with me today. She's the founder and CEO of Elise Collective, which is a creative marketing agency that specializes in a 360 approach to building like niche and cool brands. She's also the founder of By Drea, which is a shoppable lifestyle site curated by Drea herself of the best products in wellness and lifestyle. And she's worked with like super cool brands like Google, One Hotel, Nordstrom, Soho House. Drea, you're like a boss, babe. Like. I read your bio and I was like, I'm so excited to interview her. You've even been featured in Goop, which is like so freaking cool. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Hannah, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited. So the reason why I love having people like you on is because stories are super inspiring, especially stories, stories like yours, because I know you started in PR and then became a full-blown entrepreneur. So I'd love for you to get into that. Yes. So I moved to New York City um, right after college. Um, so, and originally from San Francisco and went to college in California as well. So, you know, moved all the way to New York. I knew one person kind of just like knew I wanted to be in the energy of New York City. Um, my first job was in PR, um, fashion PR. So I worked at Calvin Klein. And oh, how cool. Yes, it was amazing. I was the PR assistant. I learned so much and then went on to another iconic fashion, American fashion house, Ralph Lauren. And oh my gosh, um, like Rachel greening it up in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And then with fashion PR at Topshop. And that's really where I got um, so much of like the digital bug. Um, Because at the time, you know, this is when um, Shoppable Runway was still was just coming out. And um, Topshop was really, you know, trying so many digital initiatives for the first time. Um, And they were really like on the forefront of that. It was so cool to, you know, do Google Lives and Hangouts and all of the stuff that wasn't been done before, um, which kind of led me to my next, um, my next step was at a fashion tech startup. So a little bit of um, a pivot in the sense of getting out of being, you know, at a fashion brand, but I was still doing PR and communication. So I had up the PR department um, and really helped build the brand, uh, which was honestly so incredible and such an amazing experience because, you know, working at a startup in itself is an experience and then a tech startup where, you know, yeah. very different environment and people was, was really, um, really great. So it was more or less like a shoppable Pinterest. So gotcha. I kind of got, you know, so many of the fashion brands on board as well as like the fashion editors. I'm sure that's what inspired you to start your own considering it was like kind of like a Pinterest situation because I know by Drea, which is your site is very much like curated products and wellness that you recommend. I just started by Drea a little less than a year ago, um, but where I really, you know, went off on my own was, um, when the startup, you know, ended up 
laying off the entire company out of the blue. Wow. I tell that story because I think it's like, you know, it happens all the time and, you know, you can take it like really personally when it's not even about you. Um, yeah. And that was when I had to really think about what I wanted to do. And, you know, I didn't want to go back in house at a, a fashion PR job, you know, the nine to five, I was kind of looking for something a little bit more creative. I had no idea what that meant um, or what that entailed. And I started consulting and honestly, from there, Elise Collective was born and it was, it really took, I think that experience to kind of put me outside of my comfort zone and really like take a moment to be like, what do I like to do? What do I want yeah. to do? Um, who do I want to work with? Um, what types of things do I want to be doing? And that's how I kind of moved so much more into the wellness, uh, the wellness industry, because it was, it was so much what I was interested in. And I'd always, yeah. you know, fitness would always been a part of my life growing up. And it was really on the cusp because this was now like eight years ago when before like the huge, you know, wellness trend. Um, yeah. So brands were just kind of coming out there. Spaces were starting to open. Um, so it was a really exciting time. And that's honestly where I just, where Elise Collective was born. And I kind of just ran with it. Where do you think like the confidence came to start, like go off on your own and start your own business? Was it just that like you got laid off and you were like, this is what I do. This is what I love. And I need to just go for it. Honestly, I think about this. I've been thinking about this recently and looking at how I just moved to New York city, um, you know, from California and only knowing one person that really correlates to like entrepreneurship that I didn't really yeah. put together for a while. And I think I had the same kind of mindset when I started Elise Collective. It wasn't so much like thinking about the what ifs or this might fail. It was like, let's just do it and try it and follow your gut and, um, you know, learn along the way. I mean, I absolutely had, you know, no idea necessarily what I was doing, but I leaned on mentors. I asked for help you know, I should have asked for a little bit more help in the beginning, but you just, you kind of trial and error. And, you know, I just started hustling really. No. Um, and so I think at the time, I don't know if I like thought of it as this like major big step, um, even though it absolutely was, um, yeah. but I kind of just, you know, like I said, I started consulting and one thing led to another and it led to another client. And I remember being, you know, like a month or two into consulting me like, okay, I have to start my own thing. Not sure what that exactly means, but I know I need to do it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about with entrepreneurship, how a lot of, I mean, a lot of it is just faking it till you make it. But the beginning is so just like follow gut, follow intuition. Like I'm going to go here. This client needs my help here. And it kind of just starts to form on its own. I think a lot of people spend like a lot of time trying to plan out like every single step of how a business mm -hmm. is going to work. And I think it's smart in some senses, but sometimes you just kind of have to throw yourself into it and go for it, especially if you feel aligned to do what you're passionate about, like professionally. Absolutely. I mean, there's no like, there's no real rule book. And I do think when I started, you know, on my own eight years ago, not a lot of people were, were doing it. I mean, I feel like now, um, so many people are freelance, so many people, you know, when it comes yeah. to like editorial, um, and a lot of people are on their own, but I kind of was, you know, I was really figuring it out 
as I, as I went. Yeah. Even like five years ago when I started my blog and like doing social media full time, people were like so confused by what I was doing. I feel like now it's like a little bit more popular to like be a consultant or be a freelancer. But back then people thought I was crazy, but I feel like it's more of a confidence thing and you just have to be confident in yourself and your abilities, especially if you feel passionate to go after something and you feel like you're good at something. Absolutely. Do you think that there were any moments? I mean, I'm sure there were moments where you just doubted yourself. Were there any like hardship? I know that you've talked openly on social media about like your anxiety and depression. Did any of that play into building your business? Of course. I mean, entrepreneurship is lonely. Um, And especially, you know, I don't have a partner and it's all on you. So at times, you know, even now, um, you know, you can get into a mindset um, if you don't catch yourself of, am I good at this? What am I doing? Where should I go? What's, what's the next move? Um, and you really just have to like come back to, you know, practices that work for you to kind of like channel your positivity and, you know, a positive mindset. I mentioned in the beginning, leaning on mentors, but also just people that are going through similar situations. Because when you work for yourself and you're your own boss, um, you know, there's no one there to tell you, hey, good job. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're on the right path. And it can be really lonely. And it also makes you question, you know, your self-confidence. And you have to just really dig deep and really um, know that you are doing the best you can. um, And have, you know, I think having a, a great supportive team is also just crucial. And, you know, I feel really lucky that like the two women that work with work with me. I always like to say with with me, um, you know, do just that. And like, I have certain wellness practices that, you know, are non-negotiables for me. And I think they really, you know, help me keep, stay present, but also I can look to them, um, when I'm feeling this way. I mean, one, for example, that we do, you know, my team and I, we call them sanity walks and it's really simple. I love that. you know, at least at one point during the day, you know, you go take a sanity walk. Sometimes it can be five minutes. Sometimes it can be 20. You're not looking at your phone. You're literally just getting some movement in and taking a break. We like to, you know, remind each other, do you get a sanity walk this morning? Or do you go need to go take one? Or let's go get a matcha. Let's like, you know, take, (laughs) take 10 minutes. Um, because that that is really important just going on a walk, people don't realize how productive it can be. One, like you can have it stack while you're walking, but also just how, how amazing it is for your mental health. And for just like taking a second, I like, didn't used to walk a lot, like at all. I lived in like, I used to live in like a very like residential, not very like exciting to like look at area. And so I just never felt like led to go walk. And then I moved down into downtown San Diego like a year and a half ago. And now I walk almost every night and it's like a non-negotiable in my routine. It's crazy how like people think it sounds stupid when you're like, go on a walk. Like it's good for your mental health. It's good for your day. It's good for your motivation. And people are just like, yeah, yeah. But it's like, no, seriously, like go on a walk. Exactly. That can really change your mood and your whole mindset. Yeah. Um, Kind of going back into that, because I love what you said about entrepreneurship and how it is like really lonely and people don't realize it, especially 
when you kind of get into it and you realize that you don't have coworkers, really, especially in the beginning, if you're by yourself and trying to launch a business, you really don't have anyone to turn to, like you said, when it comes to like affirmations or like when you have a problem. So I feel like it's really important, like you said, to have like mentors and people around you that you trust. How would you say that you like found yours? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to like find someone to look up to or find someone to talk to or someone they can relate to, but maybe are wondering like, how do I even connect with people in that way? Definitely. I mean, I think I have been lucky in the sense of, you know, networking within my jobs prior to starting my own business. Um, And so I already had, you know, a little bit of a network there, but I think my biggest advice would be to, not be shy to reach out. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people will respond with open arms um, or give you 15 minutes, if not more. And I think what's the, what's the harm in sending an email um, and following up on that email? Everyone loves to get, you know, positive affirmations and being told that, you know, you're inspiring X, Y, and Z. And I think putting yourself out there is something I wish I did more when I was younger and starting off. Um, because there's no harm in that. And literally what's the worst that could happen? They just won't answer the email. Yeah. I think people, I've talked a lot about this on the podcast, like this, like notion of kind of getting off cringe mountain, like just stop being embarrassed, like stop being embarrassed to do things that can take you so far. And like when I first, for instance, when I first started how hands sees it, like I was like cold pitching everyone, like hundreds and hundreds of emails and like, not just like sending like a copy and paste email, like actually getting personal and telling someone like why you look up to them and like what you're interested in talking about with them. I think a lot of people will just like send emails to like put themselves out there, quote unquote, but they don't make it like specific or they don't try Mm -hmm. and actually connect with people. Right. I think that's like a big part of making connections is like it's in the word connections, but people don't actually try to connect and like actually try and make lasting connections with people. So what would you say is like a couple tips for networking? Because I know you're obviously good at that because you work with so many cool different brands and you've helped so many different people. I think that a lot of people are shy, like you said, and they don't know how to put themselves out there. But what are a few tips just to like be able to put yourself out there and make connections? A few tips. I mean, one, which is, you know, more of a second step, but I think is almost like lost its art in a way, but like follow-ups. I mean, every time that I meet someone or, you know, want to spend more time with someone following up is like the biggest, um, the biggest tip and, you know, thank you notes. I mean, I still handwrite thank you notes and put them in the mail. I think that that. goes such a long way. Um, whether it's, you know, someone that just took the time out of their day to, give you advice or a potential client that either worked out or didn't work out. Um, you know, I think that is so, so important. Um, and you know, again, it kind of goes back to like the cold email. You almost have to push yourself to like, just say hi to someone, um, you know, in real life and go up to someone and make conversation, introduce yourself again, like most likely, you know, nine out of 10 times, people will respond to that. I have to be reminded too in situations to push myself to do that because it is uncomfortable. Um, but you're never going to regret doing that. Yeah. Um, there, there's never a regret there. So the more you can kind of um, just meet new people and put yourself out there, the better. 
is, would you say that's how you kind of started out, like started working with like bigger brands, like hotels and like fashion brands Were you just cold pitching or did people start word of mouth recommending you? How did that part of the business start to grow? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I am feel so lucky, but I also think it's not so much about luck. It's about the network and the reputation that I've created, but almost every single client has come from referral. Um, and you know, it's just a testament to staying in touch with people, following up, um, you know, and being really present and mindful of, you know, what these people are doing, um, and how their businesses are working and what your interests are. Um, cause you never know what could turn into a client or what can turn into a project down the line. I mean, I have so many stories about, you know, meetings after meetings with a brand that ended up not coming to fruition. And two years later, we work on a major project together. So, you know, I I think especially in, um, I want to say, I mean, these industries, they're so small, right? New York City, um, within New York City and fashion and wellness, like it is small and people move around a lot too. So just because you know, you have a conversation with someone at a brand doesn't mean like in two years, they're at a different position and think of you and, you know, something comes, comes from it. So it's really about just, and and being really genuine. I am a big proponent of, you know, making these genuine relationships as opposed to it being pure business. Um, Because like I said, people move around so much and you want to have like a, a real connection with someone. Um, and yeah. so much of my life is work and play intertwined. Um, and it's really because of that. Yeah. I feel like people forget that like we're human a lot of times and like people are going to remember the people that made them feel good, whether it was through an email or whether it's through, you said yes to a favor, even though you weren't going to get anything in return. I think there's a lot to be said about like just building authentic connections with people. I mean, especially in like my industry, I've had so many people just like randomly throw my name out into a room. And then I get like a random email, like, hi, like this person told me you do this. Like, could you help me with this? And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's so nice. I can't even believe that like my name came up and it's because like, I care. I like really care about what I do. And like, I think a lot, I would say almost everyone cares about, I would hope their business, but people forget like when you care about your business, like you want to represent it well and you want to help people. And like, it goes a long way. Like, especially like working with brands as like, for me, like working with brands for free sometimes. Like if I really love a brand and I feel and see a potential for this to grow into something bigger, it's like, Mm -hmm. why would I not? you know, almost 90% of the time it ends up turning into more business or like someone moves from a PR firm to a different one. And they're like, Hey, like I loved working with you at my old company. I want to bring you in on this side. And like people just, they're not, they don't think about, like you said, like business connections, actually just being human connections and how important that is to not only furthering your business, but like furthering your network because networking can be hard and like building a community, especially if you don't live in like a big city, like LA or New York, like you really do have to try and put yourself out there. So when I started Elise Collective, um, I made a really big point to only take on people, places, brands that I personally um, was interested in or would use or go to that kind of philosophy. And in the beginning, it was really hard because a lot of those brands didn't have big budgets. And I remember, you know, having two potential clients that actually had, um, you know, (laughs) budget. And I remember being like, you know, 
I wouldn't wear this or I wouldn't, you know, use this kind of mentality. And I was like, is this really how I'm going to start my business and go to, you know, my network that I had started already at the time and ask editors to be interested. And I think being so firm in the beginning, although it was hard um, financially, it really, you know, it really paid off long-term because, you know, having that reputation of, you know, exactly what you stand for is so important. And, you know, I talk about playing the long game a lot and it's something that I think, especially in today's age gets lost with TikTok and, you know, everything, everyone's attention span is so limited. Mm -hmm. Um, But like short-term successes can be hard to turn down in the moment, you know, and sometimes people question you for that. Um, but sticking true to your vision and your message, like will always pay off tenfold in the long run. And you really have to have patience. Um, and you really have to trust yourself. Yeah. I feel like you never, I always say this about like social media too. Like you can never get your audience's trust back. Like if something happens and you accept a collab that doesn't align, or maybe you promote a product that ends up like not being a great product. And then you're never going to get that trust back. And I think the same thing in business, like your reputation, like in real, like, like interpersonal relationships, you can like kind of mend a reputation. But I think in business, you kind of have one shot at your reputation, especially when starting a business. And if you're picking brands that you don't align with, and you're not staying true to yourself, how can another brand or business or hotel trust you with theirs? Especially when you first start your business, you're really just trying to make money, which is like, of course, you know what I mean? Like you have to pay rent. You have to like be able to like take care of yourself, but especially in the beginning stages of creating a business and like throughout, you can't sacrifice like your mission. You can't sacrifice like your whole self brand. 100%. It's so important to stay authentic. So kind of going into the work you do, I know that you like help brands and businesses curate events, curate a self brand. How do you, how would you do that? Like, what are tips for people, especially for me, like I have a self brand, like what are some tips and things you recommend for people creating a solid brand and self brand? What's funny you ask that because it's honestly what we were just speaking about when oh, it comes okay, yeah. to, you know, being authentic, whether it's a product or a person, like you have to have a strong point of view and a strong, you know, brand voice and imagery and be really secure in that and make and cut out all the noise of like any sort of competitors. I mean, great. You need to know what's going on, but anytime you stray from that ethos, like it's very obvious to a consumer. And I think, um, you know, just staying really true to um, what your message is and what you want to put out in the world is, is really like number one. Um, And then you can kind of go from there and, and look at who else, what other like-minded brands do I want to be aligned with? What type of venue do I want to be in line with? You know, who is my customer or who is my follower? Um, However you want to phrase it um, is really important to like ask yourself those questions and really hone in on initiatives that will, you know, allow, you know, that brand to grow. People really can tell, especially in the last couple of years, especially with the pandemic, I feel like people have been more real online. Like, thankfully, I feel like it's something that we really needed. 
Um, obviously there's a lot of people that still aren't, but I think like people are craving like realness. People want authenticity and it's so much more obvious now that when people are not like aligned with their mission and it's one thing to just say like, oh, this is my mission. I'm going to put it on my website. I'm going to like speak into a mic at a meeting or whatever. It's another to like live it out. People don't remember your like written mission. They remember the things you do to like instill the mission And I always tell people that, like, especially in the, even in like what I do and creating like a self brand, there are things and phrases and like habits I do continuously and over and over again on stories, through posts, on podcasts, just to really instill like what I believe in and what I believe my brand to be about. And people remember when you continuously show up authentically and continuously bring up the things that are important to you. Absolutely. And what we do at Elise Collective with a lot of clients is event-based and, you know, creating an experience um, is so important that reflects your brand, whether it's, um, you know, an activation or a thought leadership panel um, or even a gifting, you know, every little detail needs to reflect, um, you know, that brand's point of view in order for it to really resonate. I feel like I've been to events sometimes too, where I've been like, this feels so weird. Like, I feel like I don't even understand like what's happening and people people don't realize. I remember I went to an event one time and I like, I mean, we get so many emails, we get so many invites to different things. And I remember like I went to an event, it was like the fourth event of the day. And I was like, I can't even tell like what the mission here is. Like, I know there's a product, but I don't understand like what the point is. And like, if you're at an event and don't know that, that's like, pretty um, that's a miss in my book huge miss I saw this quote about you and I thought it was so cool someone said when it comes to finding the best beauty wellness home and fashion labels on the scene those in the know have turned to Drea but put simply Drea always knows the coolest stuff before anybody else why do you think that is like why do you think you're so good at trend setting and like trying out new products if someone said that about me that would be like such a huge cool (laughs) flattery (laughs) I love that quote, obviously. Um, yeah, it's so I was, good. You know, I think I, to be honest, one of the reasons I started by Drea um, was because, you know, I've been in this industry for 13 plus years and I have access to products and treatments and, you know, modalities that um, not everyone has access to. And I really yeah. want to share those resources with everyone and and have a really authentic voice on like what works for me. And because obviously, I mean, I hate even calling it the wellness industry because it's such a like, you know, buzz, buzzword. Um, But that, you know, encompasses skincare and, you know, makeup and fitness and, um, you know, all of the, all of the things. And it's hard to cut through the noise. And I wanted a place that I could do that, but it was also a creative outlet for me um, and a place, you know, outside of Instagram and something that, um, you know, I could build on. I mean, we're still new and we've been, you know, hosting by Drea events. Um, we've been, you know, testing different like things and different projects. And it's really exciting because there are no rules right now. I'm out in the Hamptons and, you know, at least collective, we do a ton of wellness programming out here. And then on the by Drea side, you know, I'm testing tons of like new products and treatments, um, that are only out here and kind of like wanting to you know, share with everyone and like, what's worth it? Um, yeah. Because like, you know, it's so much marketing, obviously. 
Yeah. And there's so much, there's so many products. There's so many different face oils. There's so many different face massages. And I feel like as much as like, I feel like a lot of times there's a lot of people that like give like influencers hate or people who have like blogs or like curated sites or whatever, and they don't understand it. But in reality, like that's why the job exists is because people want are overwhelmed by all the choices. They want to go to someone they trust to kind of just recommend and steer them in the right direction so that they don't have to like spend hours at Sephora or hours online looking for the right product and reading reviews. It, it, creates a shortcut for people and it's very effective. And that's why going back to the authenticity conversation, it's so important to never lose like your trust with your audience because they're coming to you for recommendations. They're coming to you with confidence that you're going to steer them in the right direction. Exactly. And sharing what, what works for me and what I think is, you know, a tried and true product um, is, you know, really why I started by Drea. And if you come to you know, our site, it's, you're not going to find 10 serums, you're going to find one or two, you know, um, and why I use them. And it's less. And it's funny, because a lot of some of the feedback I've been getting is like, we want more, we want more. And it's like, well, the whole point is to only give you a very limited run, because I don't believe in, you know, using 10 different serums at night, you know, so keeping it, keeping it current, but also keeping it fresh. Um, but also, you know, I have tons of OG products that I have been using for years and I will not stop. Yeah, I call them holy grail products. Like very yeah. rarely do I steer away from my holy grail products. Kind of going into the wellness space because I know that you are so in it and you know way more about wellness than me. I know that Goop did an article on your routines and like your holy grail products. What would you, could you break down a few of the routines and give us some like holy grail must have products for the summer? Oh, sure. I just did um, a sun care and a hair care edit on Bydria and I'm finishing a body care. So very much yes. a series of three um, for the summer. Obviously SPF is so crazy important, but it's also like challenging you know, to find like the right SPF in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have different ones for different types of, uh, you know, whether it's pool, beach, or even just like your everyday. Let's see, one thing that I've been using forever and the founders of Friend um, says Sun Visor. Um, I love it because I feel like it's like an extension um, of my skincare routine. Their, their brand in general just feels, um, you know, it's a makeup brand, but it feels very, um, skincare forward. So I love that. I, love I don't that. wear a ton of makeup and especially in the summer, I don't want to wear a ton of makeup. Um, yeah. it gives you like a little glow. Um, but in addition, I actually think I have it on my desk here, super goops glow screen. I mean, that is like a little tinted and it really gives you a glow. And then you don't have to worry about your, you know, your skin, um, your skin being, you know, protected. Um, and oh, Charlotte Tilbury's, um, it's unisex healthy glow tinted moisturizer. So good. Um, so good. I feel like I love that. I need to try that. You need to try it. It really gives you quite a glow. Um, and I do use Dr. Sturm's, um, sun drops. Um, I'll use that, you know, after a skincare routine, um, it's SPF 50. So it feels like an Ooh. ultra luxe serum, but I really try to not, you know, I'm always wearing a hat. I think the biggest thing you can do is protect your face. Um, and this London, this brand out of London called, um, Votari, um, apologize if I'm saying it wrong. They have, um, these self tan drops and I've literally tried Ooh. every 
selfless tanner, you know, for the face kind of serum and you do not, it does not smell like at all. <laughs> um, oh, I need to try. Your, it's so good. Um, it blends into your skin without, um, with, with like ease. It's just so easy. And I mix it with my serum at night. Um, and so it's just like, I don't know, it gives you the best glow. People like honestly comment on it. That's how you know a product's good is if people are commenting like on your face after you've like been using it for a second. Like I started using exactly. as this like color science SPF like every day. And it's been like fading my freckles, fading my dark spots. And I like kind of noticed it, but I was like, it could just be in my head. But then like yeah. I started getting all these compliments and I'm like, that's how you know. That's how you know a product's a holy grail. Another brand that is really um, a holy grail for me is Symbiome. Their answer serum has stem cell media in it. And I have noticed such a difference in my skin since I started using it. I mean, it's honestly like Botox in a bottle. Um, wow. And for summer, their body oil is like ultra hydration. Um, I actually Ooh. tested it before they launched it and finished the entire bottle, which, you know, is like hard to do. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a great mix between hydration and not being too oily. Um, so yeah. I put it on right after the shower and it really absorbs into my skin. I feel like it's so hard to, with like SPS or body oils, because it's like, I want to feel like I'm protected, but I also don't want it to interfere with like my daily. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm feeling it all day or like my makeup looks weird now. And so finding a good yeah. SPF is so important. I think it's one of those products that like is a hit or miss for sure. And so I'm definitely going to link this like blog post from Vidria in the show notes, yeah. especially if it comes out before the episode, because people are going to want to shop these products. Yes. And also one thing that I've just been um, recently got obsessed with during the summer is um, Goop Beauties. They're like, I think it's called Restore and Shine Hair Serum. I feel like my hair is fuller after using it. Um, and I'll put it on even like before I go in the ocean or even like pre-workout. So I get all the benefits in, in it. And while you're like multitasking, I love a multitask product. I, I should be taking notes. I'll probably send you an email after and be like, can you send, send me this? <laughs> okay. Can you break down? Like, I feel like you have a really good morning routine and I'm a sucker for a good routine. Morning routine. I'm a big matcha drinker. Um, I don't really drink coffee and um, it just sits better with me for like anxiety purposes. And, you know, my making my matcha in the morning is something I like just look forward to so much. I love that. Um, and outside of that, I think I have kind of a more of a list of things that I'll pick one from. I think with morning okay. routines, people get so crazy and overwhelmed with like, how do I even have a good morning routine? Everyone is drinking green juice, meditating, journaling, working out, getting a coffee. It's like too much. And yep. also I don't have that much time. I'm not the best morning person. And so I'd rather like, you know, have a little extra sleep. Usually it's a little bit of journaling. Um, sometimes I feel like it, sometimes I don't, but I kind of push myself if I don't just to write a little gratitude list. Um, and then other times I'll do like a word dump. I'll literally set a timer for 10 minutes and just write no direction um, and just, you know, let it flow. And I feel so much calmer after it. I love that. I really love that. And then I, you know, recently got a puppy and it brings me so much joy to take her out in the morning. It really does. Um, You're adding you something know. to your sanity walk. <laughs> exactly. And she's such a little good little girl because we like have our matcha first um, and, you know, do our little journaling. Love that. 
Um, and then we'll go out for a little, for a little walk. I really am glad you said that about routines. I feel like something in the last few years, I've seen like the wellness space really just like push so hard for this like intense morning routine. And I'm like, these people are either waking up at like 4.30 a.m. and doing all of this before work, or they're not actually doing all of this because there's no way. And I feel like it becomes instead of this like helpful like push for like a really good positive morning, like prioritizing your mental health, physical health, it becomes this like almost anxiety inducing list of things that like people feel like they should do. And then when you don't do it, it becomes disappointing. And so I really love that you said like pick one of the like few things that you know makes you feel good and have that be your routine. To be honest, I think you know, it, it comes down to like wellness is so personal and it's really about what works for you, um, mm-hmm. not what's trending. And so you need to figure that out on your own and make that like a priority as opposed to following like all the trends and all the noise on social media. Exactly. I love that you said that. And kind of pushing into like your wellness journey. Like I know that you have such a history with like getting to know these products and being thrown into the industry, but you also talked openly about freezing your eggs. And before the Mm -hmm. episode ends, I really want you to get into that part of your story because I think it's so interesting. I personally know nothing about it. And I would love if you could open up about that and like talk about just like, Oh, I feel your journey. I feel, yeah, I feel so passionate about speaking about it. Um, because there was so much that, I didn't know that I wish I knew. Um, so after the process, I was like, I want to share my my journey because knowledge is power. And the yeah. more that we can talk about this, um, you know, as women, I think there's still this stigma around really like sharing what the real deal is. And I yeah. really broke it down. And again, I'll send you, um, I have it on Vidria too, where all of my resources okay. and all of my links are with reels with, um, you know, where I did it, you know, how my recovery was products I used during it. Um, because it was a lot and it's a huge undertaking and I had a really hard time, but that being said, I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Um, because it's about, you know, my future and taking charge of, you know, I definitely want children. I, you know, I, right now is not the ideal time and I haven't met my person yet. Um, and so it just takes the pressure off. And I think it's such an incredible, um, thing that we can do as women to take the pressure off and really lean into whatever we want to do and have a little bit of, you know, insurance. Um, I did my egg freezing at spring fertility. They're in New York city, as well as the Bay area. And it was like a 15 out of a 10 experience. And that's another reason why I was I felt so passionate about talking about it because, you know, I'd heard horror stories. I had heard, you know, long waits at doctors, you know, not even seeing your doctor um, for more than like three minutes. And this was an incredible, incredible experience where they have a care team, they have a financial team. And then they also have, you know, your doctor that you have access to 24 seven. And, you know, the first time I, you know, did my shots, um, you know, I was FaceTiming with a nurse because I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And they have, you know, 24-7 care. I think more people need to talk about it and more people need to realize that it isn't this scary, crazy thing. I think, yeah. um, you know, I'm grateful that I had a positive outcome. But the one regret I had was not figuring out all this information sooner because I kind of was like, oh, it's scary. I don't need to deal with it now. 
Um, you know, I don't know much about it. So like, let's just like push it off when in yeah, reality, yeah. the opposite mentality, because you can find out so much um, by just, you know, doing your blood work and seeing a fertility specialist, which I think people get a little bit um, scared, like a fertility specialist, you know, like it's this like big yeah, deal yeah. when in reality, you're just being smart and you're just like putting yourself first and getting all the knowledge. And so I, I literally, I can't stress enough being able to go get all your info with literally a blood test and an ultrasound. And then you're set up for success because you know what your body um, is capable of and when the best time is. um, And you can kind of plan from there. I feel like we don't know a lot about our body. I had this like little panic episode like a couple months ago and I actually like read like my birth control packet for the first time and like got a bunch of books on like woman anatomy. Cause I was like, why do I not know this stuff? Like, why do I not know more about our body? And I feel like women aren't like pushed enough to learn the ins and outs of like our anatomy, the thing, the options we have almost taboo in a way and not enough people are talking about it. But at the same time, I feel like there is like a mental block, I want to say almost in women, especially with dating as you get older and you start approaching 30 and like going over 30. And I feel like I even have a lot of people in my own life who are just so discouraged by the idea of like not finding their partner soon enough because they're like, I want to have kids. I want to do this. I want to have that. That is not good. We are 2023. We can do it all. And like people are having babies later and later. I mean, it's, it's insane age is like literally just a number and I think things are turning I think like I can feel it especially even having this comfort that we're having this conversation is like showing that things are turning but I think women are still stuck in this mentality that like oh my gosh like I have to have kids I have to get married like I'm on this time clock and I think things like freezing your eggs or having even conversations about these options just shows that like no you don't have to settle you don't have to rush you don't have to feel this pressure that you're behind that's not the case at all not even close. Um, there's so many options. There's so many resources, you know, also freezing your eggs is two weeks out of your life. Um, you know, and the first week you don't even, um, nothing changes in your day to day. You know, I was having cocktails. I was working out. I was drinking caffeine. Like, you know, there's so much stigma around, um, or there's so much misinformation out there. Would you say for you, it was just something you were thinking about for a while. And then you finally just like pulled the trigger. Like you just knew you wanted to have kids and you're like, I should just do this now and get it over with. Yeah, exactly. 110%. It's just a good backup resource. We should be, you know, really just finding what fills us up and not be worried about, um, you know, having children um, in terms of timeline. I should just go get my, like everything checked, like get a blood test, find out everything. Like, cause like, again, knowledge is power. And I feel like you kind of eliminate some anxiety when you actually like figure stuff out about yourself. You completely do. Um, I'll send you two that's on the Bydria page about my egg freezing. I actually did a podcast with well and good and my fertility doctor. And we kind of just go through the entire process, my personal process. And so you can get a little bit more in depth um, of the whole thing. Because I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast on just freezing rags. <laughs> yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to have you come on to just literally talk from the beginning of the story all the way through. And I'll just listen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. And I always ask my guests at the end, 
um, this question. The podcast is called How I See It. And just like from the beginning of your like PR journey, moving to New York, now creating your entire company and having Vidria. Honestly, I think on over the years, what I've learned um, and I work on every day now is really that self-care comes from the inside first. Um, I, love that. I think I've done a lot of work on myself and that growth, you know, um, has been painful at times, but it's also so rewarding. And so even when you reflect on the pain or disappointment, um, you know, that maybe ha- has happened, that can only, you know, that always re- inspires me to continue to do the work. So it's so worth it. And the relationship you have with yourself is and always will be most important. So I always, you know, stress the like to get comfortable with that and kind of embrace it even when you don't want to, because long game and you know what I mean? It's just so important for you to get really comfy with yourself. I love that. I love that you said that. And I love that you keep saying the long game because I feel like we get really caught up in the, like too caught up in the moment. And I think it's sometimes good to obviously live in the moment, but I think we spend a lot of time just like in our situation, especially when things aren't going well, or like we think that we can just continue to push and push for like more when in reality, like you're right. Like the work does start within. And especially when you're in entrepreneurship and creating a business, you start to realize quickly that like when you haven't done the work and when you have and what work you need to do. And so I always tell people to like, just lean in, lean into like what makes you uncomfortable because not only is your business going to flourish, but like your mind, your mental health, everything is going to be, everything's going to be mirrored to you, what you need to work on. And everything is temporary, you know, and just have, have some comfort in that. Please shout out your socials and the site so that people can find you. I'm also going to put it in the description. Amazing. I'm at Drea Murphy on Instagram, D-R-I-A Murphy. And um, my website is bydria.com. And you can find Elise Collective on Instagram and um, on our website, A-L-I-S-E. Yay. Thank you so much. I appreciate you you coming on and telling your story. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys.